Today's going to be good. I'm nervous about it, though. I'm a little nervous about it. It's new. So I'm going to pray. Jesus, speak through me. Your will be done, not mine. In Jesus' name, amen. Here we go. Okay, so we're starting a new series. Everybody say new series. The new series is called, What is the Point? Get it? It's like coming down to a point. Oh, my gosh, bro. Okay, what is the point? Everybody say that. What is the point? If you see on the bottom right, left, bottom left, my right, your left, it says parables. Anybody know what a parable is? Raise your hand if you know what a parable is. Chris, what's a parable? A parable is like a story. So, Jesus, Jesus Christ, right? Anybody ever seen those movies? The, the little videos? On, doom, doom, doom. I have the song somewhere on the playlist, but whatever. I don't even know what it's called. Uh... Jesus Christ, we love you, God. Anyways, okay, so Jesus, the Savior of the world, the Son of God, our homie Jesus, who lived and died and raised again three days later, this guy, uh, he would preach a lot. He would speak to people. He would, he would teach. And one of the ways he taught, one of the most common ways that he taught that we see in the Gospels is through these things called parables. The parables are like, like Chris said, like, like short stories, short fictional stories. And some of us have thought over the years that parables are like illustrations that Jesus is using to get us to understand his message better. But that's not really what they are. Parables are like, they're kind of confusing. Parables like kind of don't make sense. And they're supposed to. In Mark chapter 4, Jesus says that, that, that they're supposed to be clear to those who want to seek understanding and unclear to those who don't. So those who don't want anything to do with God, parables don't make any sense. Because they don't want them to make sense. For people who are seeking after Jesus, the parables start to make sense. Why? Because they seek the answer. It's, it's, it's the same way in our lives is that sometimes we can find ourselves in where we're seeking after God, we're super excited, and everything starts to make sense. And then we find ourselves on the other side where we're pushing God away, where, we're, where we don't quite understand God, uh, we don't quite feel him, and we all, we, there's all, we all go through it, but we find ourselves in that moment not understanding really anything about God because our heart has some, somehow along the way been a little bit hardened towards it, right? And so parables, they act also kind of like jokes, there's like this buildup. There's this story that happens. And at the very end, there's this like punchline that Jesus says. And for us, we kind of miss the punchline because we miss the context a lot of the time. But for the people that were hearing these parables, it was like, oh, whoa. And sometimes it was like the opposite of what they thought was going to happen. Or the other times, it's kind of, it's kind of like, oh, I, I, I get it now for them. Or sometimes it's pointing to things that they would have already known. And I'll show some of that um, today. But the biggest thing that we have to understand about parables, and this is, why, this is why I'm talking about parables. You're like, Brett, why are you talking about parables? Parables, that sounds boring. But listen, I'm talking about parables because 
There's not a lot of things that I'm like Jesus in, but one of them is I really like to tell stories. If you know me, you know I like to tell stories. And a lot, a lot of times I like to tell funny stories because that's fun. Uh, but sometimes I like to tell serious stories, and, and, uh, and I'd like to think of myself as a good storyteller. But Jesus was a better storyteller. And so uh, I think we as a, a group, we learn well from stories. And so we're going to listen to Jesus' stories, see what he has to say. But here's the thing. Jesus' whole message uh, throughout the Gospels, throughout his life, was that the kingdom of God is at hand. The kingdom of God is here. The kingdom of God is near. This was Jesus' message. So the parables are not really to tell a story about us. The parables are really to tell a story about him. The parables are really to tell a story about the kingdom, the coming kingdom. You'll see a lot of times when you read a parable, we'll skip over it because it doesn't seem important to us, but he'll say the kingdom of God is like, and then he'll go into a parable. The kingdom of God is like, and he'll go like this. So why is that important to us? Because the kingdom of God is here. And the kingdom of God is to come. So the importance of, the, of understanding the kingdom of God is because we have to understand how we're supposed to live. We're supposed to understand how it works. And then especially one day when we, when we step into glory with, with Jesus, how it really works. Amen? Here's the interesting thing about parables. Another interesting thing about parables is some people think that parables are supposed to create or that the parables have theological answers. There's actually not a lot of theological answers in parables. Reversely, and sometimes better, there's a lot of theological questions in parables. Jesus oftentimes doesn't answer a question. He begs a new one. Which leads us to kind of go into it. So a little bit of national treasure stuff going on, you know. It's like spray some lemon juice on the back of the Declaration of Independence. We might figure it out. I'm just kidding. It's not like that. But it's fun. It's cool. It's good. Because it's not just that we're getting answers. We're asking new questions. And I know if I know anything about your generation is you guys like to ask questions. <laughs> Which is good. Because you're trying your very best to not be naive. You're trying your very best to not just do what everybody tells you to do. You want to know the answer. So the cool thing is Jesus asks questions too. Right? Okay. So. Everybody, if you have your Bibles, open them up to Mark chapter 4, and we're going to get into it. What time is it? 7.42. We're going to get into it. Mark chapter 4. I'm going to try and be done by 8 o'clock, maybe a little bit before. We're going to get it rolling. Mark chapter 4, verse 1 through 9. Mark chapter 4, verse 1 through 9. This is called the parable of the sower and the soils. Parable of the sower and the soils. Uh, sowing just means that you are like planting something. A person who sows a seed is someone who, who, who gives a seed, who plants a seed, who uh, goes like that, okay? The sower and the soils. Everybody there? Say, uh-huh. Okay, we're good. All right. And during this series about parables, we're going to be, uh, I'm going to be, Teaching you parables, okay? So uh, there's a few in this one, and it's going to be really good. So verse 1, he began to teach again by the sea. 
pause. Okay, so uh, you're like, Brett, already? Okay, listen. So th- this, this parable here I'm going to read you is in uh, Mark chapter 4. It's also in Matthew chapter 13, and then parts of it are in Luke chapter 13. But before this is happening, you guys remember that big, long uh, uh, the preaching moment that, that Jesus had, the big, long sermon on the right. That was right before this. Okay, just a few chapters before this. And this is also right before one of my favorite stories in all of the Bible. Mark chapter 4, verse 35, is when Jesus stills the sea or calms the storm. So this is directly before Jesus calming the storm. Okay, are we, are we, we get kind of where this is happening now? So this is early in Jesus' ministry. After he's, he's given the Sermon on the Mount and he's starting to perform miracles, this is... Now he's, he's done with the Sermon on the Mount. He started performing miracles, and now here's another teaching moment that he's going to give, okay? So, he began to teach again by the sea, and such a very large crowd gathered to him that he got into a boat in the sea and sat down. And the whole crowd was by the sea on the land, and he was teaching them many things in parables and was saying to them in his teaching. Okay, pause. So, Jesus... There's a big crowd that forms. Jesus starts teaching. There's a big crowd. This happens a lot to Jesus because he's, he's cool. He's dope, right? So, so he's, if you could put yourself in the shoes of the Israelites at that time, they, it was very common for them to have uh, rabbis or, or, or teachers of the Jewish scripture, and they would go and, and hear these people teach, right? And so at this time, they're, um, they're, they're under kind of government siege. They're under uh, the authority of Rome. Uh, and so they're, they're kind of being, they're being oppressed, right? And so everyone's searching for some sort of answer. And everyone's looking for the Messiah. The Messiah is not a, not a brand new idea. The Messiah is an idea that came uh, from long, long ago. And so everyone's looking for the Messiah. And so at this point, some people are kind of queuing in. Like maybe Jesus is that dude, right? Because he just spoke this crazy message that he's claiming some crazy stuff. And then he's also doing some crazy stuff and healing people and all this kind of stuff. So now Jesus is drawing a crowd. Because he's, he's making some noise, right? He, he's making the religious folks upset, and he's making the, the lost and the hurting uh, find hope. And so when Jesus starts talking, a crowd starts forming. So the crowd gets so big that he gets on this boat. And so, like, if this was a boat, he stands on the boat, and everybody's on the shore just so they, like, you know, personal space. I don't know. Jesus might have been a gerbophobe. I don't know. But this is what happens. But then he says, listen to this. Jesus wasn't a germaphobe. He touched lepers, so I was, it was just a joke. Um, he says, listen to this. Behold, the sower went out to sow. That makes sense. As he was sowing, some seed fell beside the road, and the birds came and ate it up. So the sower's got, imagine the sower's got a bag of seed, Right? And he's walking and he's going like this. And some seed fell on the road. There's no soil on the road, right? And so these birds come and eat it up. Other seed fell on rocky ground. Everybody say rocky ground. Okay, anyways. Um, Where it did not have much soil and immediately it sprang up because it had no depth of soil. And after... The sun had risen, it was scorched. And because it had no root, it withered away. So the ones that were, the the seed that was sown in the rocks, it sprung up really quick. Whoa, this is great. But because it had no depth, there there was no rich soil there. As soon as the sun came out, it withered away. 
other seed fell among the thorns. And the thorns came up and choked it, and it yielded no crop. Other seeds fell into good soil, and as they grew up and increased, it, they yielded a crop and produced 30, 60, and 100 fold. And he was saying, he who has ears to hear, let him hear. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And I, I think this is a really good parable to start with. I think there's a reason this was the first parable that Jesus talked about. Because Jesus was going to teach a lot. Jesus was going to share a lot of stories and share a lot of, of, of commands and things that he had. But he was saying right now that, look, man, if you're going to be the road that I'm trying to throw this seed onto, might as well not even be here. And if you're going to be someone who's got kind of a rocky situation and everything's just surface level, you might as well not even be here either. And, and also, if you're, if you're growing up in the thorns, you might as well not. I need good soil is what he's saying. I need good soil. So let's talk about it. There's four different situations here. And then we're going to talk. There's some other stories at the end that I think could inform some good things about what we want to talk about. But the first thing that Jesus talks about is the road. Remember, he, he throws seed on the road and what happens? Anybody remember? The birds come by and they eat it up. So the first, and the soil is a metaphor for us. The soil is a metaphor for our hearts. Okay, so number one is a hard heart. So the seed in this story, the seed represents the word of God. The soil represents our hearts. And the birds represent the devil. Sorry if you own a bird, Kevin. I'm sure your bird's great, but this bird, these birds are the devil, dude. <laughs> but listen, if we have hardened hearts, if we're like, hey, look, I like to come to youth group because the social aspect is cool, but I don't, I don't really believe in God, and I don't really, um, I, I don't really think that what you guys are saying is true. Uh, that's cool, but every seed that, I, that I, I take time to study, and I'm listening to God, I'm trying to hear, every seed that I'm going to throw, it's just, it's just going to get eaten up by the enemy. It's just like position A for the enemy to come in and take you out. And you're wondering, like, why, why am I not getting anything out of this? Why am I not receiving anything? And most of the time it's because we've just got a hardened heart. We've got hard soil. There's no room for the seed to grow. A hardened heart is easy for the enemy to grab a hold of. Right? So, and, 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 and. Some of you are there right now. I've been there before. There's like this term for it called the dark night of the soul <laughs> that some people go through. It's like this kind of like dip where it's like you're on fire for God. Everything's cool. Everything's awesome. You're like, man, I'm really excited. And then there's this, there's this low where it's like, man, I don't even know what to believe anymore. I'm trying to, it's, for me as a youth pastor, sometimes, you know, not as much recently, but before when I was just a youth leader, it was like, man, I'm trying to tell these kids all this stuff I believe about God. I don't even know if I believe it. Can I be real? But the cool thing is, is that we, if we, the, the longer we seek the truth, the closer we are to finding it. Seeking truth is never a bad thing. Because God is true. Jesus is true. And the Bible says that the truth will set you free. So if I feel bound to myself, 
I'm just going to keep searching. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to keep seeking after God, and my heart will be softened, and the soil will be renewed. Amen? The next situation is, so some of you are at the hard hearts part, but most of you aren't. That most of you fall in probably the, some of these last three. The second one is the rocky heart. This is the kid who likes to come to youth group. It feels good. The friends are cool. And you know what? I, I do like the idea of God. I do like the idea of God. I do like the idea that Jesus died for me because I'm awesome. And I, I, I do believe I deserve that. And you know what? I, I, I do believe that I feel something in worship. I do believe that God is good. But when it comes to me doing all the stuff that he asks me to, I'm, I'm just going to, you know, argue with people on Instagram. I like, is that really what it means? Even though I've never actually read it. <laughs> I'm just like creating a, like a stereotype. So, But this is the person with the rocky heart. There's enough room for the seed to go into the soil. But there's not enough room for the soil... There's not enough room in the soil because of the rocks for, for it to have any root. Right? You ever been to the beach and it's like, oh, it looks sandy, and then you start digging down, there's just tons of rocks in there. You're like, ugh. Right? This is the type of soil we're talking about right here. So it goes in the soil, and because the soil is shallow, it, it, it sprouts up quickly. It sprouts up really quickly, but then as soon as the sun comes, it withers. What does that, what does that mean? That means for you, it means... It means we're excited about God. We're ex- God changed my life. I went to camp. I feel good. Like, I've never felt like this before. God is good. I'm, I'm excited. I'm filled with joy. And as soon as the first question, as soon as the first problem comes, we wither away. Because we don't have any depth. That's the second one. It's the I am in love with youth group. But I'm not super in love with Jesus yet. Number three is the thorny heart. The thorny heart. I'm going to spend probably the most time on this one. This one's hard. This one is when we hear the word of God, but the influences of the world are too strong and choke it out. This is when... We are discipled more by the culture than we are by Jesus. And here's the thing about the thorns. And you're like, Brett, what are the thorns? The thorns are everything not of God in the world. (laughs) That that, That want to pretend like they're good for you. Here's the thing about thorns. At first you think they're there to protect you from predators. But then they end up choking you out. At first, thorns seem like a good idea. <laughs> this, is a, this is a good defense mechanism. These thorns are here to protect me. They love me. They cherish me. They really know what's best for me. But after a while, the thorns choke you out. And so we, we start to question the word of God. Like, right? The, the Bible says to love my neighbor... But what if my neighbor doesn't belong here? What if, my, what if my neighbor isn't nice? What if my neighbor doesn't, 
believe the same things I believe? What if my neighbor isn't on the same side of the political mess that I'm at? Well, we've seen this for years and years and years now. I, I'm supposed to love my neighbor, but what if my neighbor is a different color than me? What if my neighbor, I'm gonna get, can I get real? What if my neighbor is here illegally? These are questions, these are, these are things that, Right, people are like, oh, yeah, sure, I'm supposed to love my neighbor, but, you know, shut it down. And I'm not trying to make a political stance here. I'm just saying that God said love your neighbor, regardless. Well, my neighbor is taking my job. Cool, get a new one. You know what I mean? And here's the other, there's more ones. So we, so we, we want to say God is love. And so everything that masks itself as love in the culture, we, we have to accept. And, and, and there's two things I want to point out. And some of you in this room are not going to agree with me. And it's okay for now. <laughs> because I love you. But here's the thing. There's two things I want to point out in the Bible. The number one sin talked about in the New Testament is sexual sin. And so th- this points at a whole lot of different stuff. I'm not just pinpointing one. But this, this, it started in the 1960s with the sexual revolution. And now we've gone all the way to this whole thing where it's like, it's a real slippery slope. That as long as I feel loved, it's good. No, it's not. It's not good. But God is love. But God is described as love twice in the Bible. He's described as holy like 450 plus times. So why do we only describe him as love? We, and we just want to skip the holy part. <laughs> we want to skip the sanctification because it doesn't feel as good. That's the thorns. The things in the culture that are telling you to accept this and accept this and accept this because it's masking itself as love. And if it's not hurting anybody then what's the problem? It may not be hurting me, but I know it's hurting you. Does that make sense? Like, there's some sin that's not going to hurt anybody. Except for it's going to kill your soul. Here's the thing. Hell is described in the Bible as separation from God, and sin is inching your way away from God more and more and more and more and more and more. So the reason that I say sin kills you is because it literally walks you straight into the gates of hell. By your own choice, unfortunately. And so we've had some we, we've had some conversations this youth group recently, which has been great, where it's like, hey, like there's some we've got some confusion on this whole like sin thing. And that, that's why a couple weeks ago I was like, yo, <laughs> and I, you know, I kind of came down hard, but it's okay. But here's the thing is we can't waver on that. We're, and here's the thing, none of us are perfect. I'm not saying that you're not you you're not gonna sin. Everybody sins. I just have to admit that sin's bad. I have to admit that I don't want thorns wrapped around me. And those thorns aren't protecting me. Those thorns aren't there to help me. Right? They're, they're going to kill me. i got to move on. I'm running late. 
Or if I follow Jesus fully, uh, that means I have to give up my ambitions. Why would I love somebody if it means that I have to give up something on, about myself? Why would I champion my son if that means i got to sacrifice my ambitions and my dreams and all that for him? Because there's no greater love than this than someone who'd lay down their life for their friend. Number th- four <laughs> is the good heart, the good soil. This is the ideal situation where the word of God is dropped into your heart and it takes root and it takes deep root and it sprouts out and you bear fruit. This is good and it's attainable. It doesn't mean that there's not going to be some bug that crawls in and tries to eat away at your whatever. Like there's going to be times where we stumble or fall. There's going to be a little weed that pops up or whatever, but it's easier to handle if it's good soil. Psalms 51.10 says, create in me a clean heart and renew in me a right spirit. So with the good heart, I'm, I want to hear, I want to listen, I want to understand, and I want to change. Here's the thing, we've taken this out of context too. Jesus does say, come as you are. But he definitely does not say, stay as you are. So come as you are, Yes. And tell all your friends, come as you are. But God loves us enough to change us from the inside out. Right? So my question is, how's your heart? And actually, Kev, can you come back up? And we're just going to start playing. Play that last song. Just start. Brian, play with them a little bit too. And then the rest of the band, you guys are going to run up there and get crazy. Except for some of the students. I kind of want you guys to stay here. Is your heart good soil or is it bad? Are you, are you the, the road where you, you, it's not even taking root? Are you the rocks where it's shallow and, and, you, and you wither quick? Are you the thorns where you think you've got a strong kind of plant growing here, but you're allowing all these things in the culture to wrap around it? I'm a strong Christian who, 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 who reads my Bible and I take notes at youth group and I worship all the time, but also I love the culture. I love the world. And I, I love all the craziness that's going on and everybody. I love it. It's going to choke you out. Are, are we good soil or bad? Are we submitting to God? Are we loving our own idea of him? If you agree with God 100%, you're not, you're, it's not God. <laughs> it's just your picture of him. God tells me no a lot. God hasn't told you no recently, you're probably not talking to God. Submission, true submission only happens in disagreement. Or else it's not submission, it's just agreement. So Jesus, t- he keeps going, he explains this last parable, and he, go- and he goes into three more stories. And real quickly, there's one about a lamp. A lamp is not brought to be put under a basket or under a bed. It is brought to be put on the laps, on the lampstand. For nothing is hidden except to be revealed, nor has anything been secret, but that it would be, come to light. If anyone has ears, let him hear. So Jesus is saying, like, the lamp hasn't come to be hidden. The lamp has, be, has come to show, to show its light. So what does this mean? This means that if we're going to be good soil, that's great. That's step one. Step two is to spread the word. If God is to say that you are the light of the world, then we got to spread the word. 
It's like what I talked about last week. I got to get my friends to youth group. Not because I just want to grow this youth group and I want more people in the seats. I don't really care about that. What I care about is my friend's soul. How bad do I have to hate them to not tell them about the Savior of the world? If we really believe that this is the real deal, then we got we to gotta own it. We got to be good soil and we got to be the land. We got to spread the word. Number two, he talks about a farmer. He said, the kingdom of God is like a man who casts seed upon the soil and he goes to bed at night and gets up by day and the seed sprouts and grows. How? He himself doesn't even know. He just plants the seed and he waters it and somehow it grows. Sometimes it grows fast. Sometimes it grows slow. But it just grows. And so what does this tell us? We got to spread the word, but we also just got to be faithful in the sowing. If my friend doesn't come to youth group the first time I invite him, that, I, I, don't, I don't understand how this, the, the harvest comes, but it's going to come. Sometimes it comes later than I want. Sometimes it comes earlier than I expect. But the crop grows when it grows. And it grows how it grows. And I got to be okay with that. Number three, he talks about a mustard seed. He said, how shall we picture the kingdom of God? Or by what parable shall we present it? It's like a mustard seed, which starts off really small, the small one of the smallest of the seeds, and by the end of it, it grows into this big tree that has lots of shade, and the, and the last verse says, the birds of the air can rest and nest under its shade. The last thing I promise that Jesus brings you is rest. If we're good soil, we shine our light. And we just let the harvest worry about itself. God will give us rest. The interesting thing about this is, is to the people that were hearing this, it was really important. In Isaiah 55, a scripture that all these Jewish people would have known, it says that the word is like a seed and it does not return empty. Jesus is talking exactly their language. These people all know the scriptures really well. The other thing that Jesus talks about, the, the, the finale of this parable is the mustard seed and how it's a tree that, that provides shade and shelter and that the birds can nest in. And Daniel, in the Old Testament, had a vision where there was a big tree where the birds rest in its tree, in its branches, in its shade. But then it gets cut down. And it gets replaced by the kingdom of God. So Jesus, once again, like I said at the very beginning, he's saying all this to describe what his kingdom looks like. His kingdom for us that are good soil, for us that let his word take root in our heart, it looks like a lamp unto our feet, a light unto our path. It looks like a great harvest, and it looks like a place where I can find rest. So here's the thing I want to tell you, that the gospel, the good news of Jesus is never bad news. Even if it tells you that you can't do what you think you want to do. The gospel is always good news. It's news of rest, 
It's news of relationship. It's news of, of clarity. It's news of peace. It's news of hope. It's news of patience. It's news of kindness and love. And it's news, best of all, of holiness and righteousness. That though we live in a wicked world where people are stabbing each other in the back, there's someone who's really good. And there's someone who says that he sees me as really good because of his son who died on the cross for my sins. And so tonight as um, some of the singers come back up and, and uh, the band, only go back up if you're like, hey, I'm good, I'm, I'm going to play, and, but you know, I don't need to respond to this. But I, this song that we just sang at the end, you don't have to run tracks or anything, just do it how you were going to do it. You guys are awesome musicians, so just rock and roll. Wherever Zach is, you can run it too. Um, but here's the thing. The whole point of the parables is for Jesus to show something. To show the kingdom. To show his glory. And so I want to sing this song again. And the song says, show me your glory. Let every burning heart be holy ground. And then towards the end of the song it says, chains fall. Fear bow. When? Here and now. Jesus, you change everything. So the reason I want to sing this song again is because, and, and, and Caleb or Shelby, if, if either of you are like, man, I, I need to be up here and worshiping, then just ditch this, ditch back there. It's fine. Just leave the camera on somebody and we'll go from there. The reason I want us to sing this song again is because some of you are bound. Some of you are chained up. Some of you are for sure the thorn. The thorny, <laughs> sprouting seed. And I'm not going to, I know who you are <laughs> in the room. I'm just, I'm not going to tell you, you need to, you need to say it yourself. You need to know yourself. Like, like I'm bound by the world right now and I love God and I'm here every Wednesday and I want to, and I, and I, and I want to be set free, but I just don't know how. But this song says Jesus changes everything. Chains fall. Fear. Some of you are incredibly fearful. I did an 11 week series on anxiety. Why? Because you needed it. Some of us just struggle with fear. We just do. But the Bible says that God has not given us a spirit of fear. Right? And so fear bows at his feet. Jesus changes everything. Amen. So why don't we stand up and we're just going to take the next, you know, five to ten minutes. And we're just going to worship. And, and here's the thing. I, I want you to worship. And I apologize if you're new in this room and you're like, what is going on? It's just the love of God that's so good. I, 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 I don't just believe God is real. I know he is. And so, and so the reason I do this kind of stuff is because... The God of the universe wants to have a relationship with me. And so me as your youth pastor, I'm going to create space for you to have a relationship with him. And so here's the thing I want right now. We're going to want to pray for our friends. And, and a certain some of that's good. Like pray for your friends, guys, guys, girls, with girls, that's cool. But I don't want us to just comfort each other this whole moment where we, where we hug on each other and love on each other like that. Even though there's a time and place for that. I, I want the Holy Spirit to love on us. All by our lonesome. Because... Look, when, when it's late at night and you feel like you, you've got no hope and you're going under and, and you're about to make a bad decision, right? There's nobody, your friend's not going to be there to hold you. But the Holy Spirit will be. And so, so, so my call for you guys in some of these worship times, you, gotta, you have to learn how to let the Holy Spirit comfort you and not your friend. 
You just have to. The, the, the worst time of my life, right, when Danielle was, was having a miscarriage with our, with our first child, right, she, because of COVID, she was in the hospital for five hours by herself. Who was there to hold her? Nobody but God. And so I don't want you to find yourself in a place where nobody's there and you feel alone because you're not alone. Danielle's told me, I wish I could go back. I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, I've never felt closer to God because God's hug is better than any hug I could give her. And so some of you in this room, you're feeling like, I just don't understand God. I don't know God. I don't know where he's at. I don't know what's going on. Or you might be like, hey, I feel like I get excited and then I fall every time a problem happens. I just can't stand up. Or you might feel like, hey, I feel like I'm, I'm rooted, I'm good, but all my friends are against me. So in this moment, be alone. But don't be lonely. Be with him. Amen? So you guys can start singing. I'm going to worship. And however you worship, you got to sit down. If you got to lay down, I don't care. If you got to stand up and lift your hands up, however you want to worship. I just want you to take this time not to sing a song, but to encounter a Savior. To spend time with the Holy Spirit. Let him speak to you in this moment. Amen? God, lead us and guide us and be with us in this moment. Help us to worship you in Jesus' name. Amen.